There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota. Toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more. ¿Qué tal amigos? Mi nombre es Roman Rojas y Tremenda Vaina es el podcast donde te contamos cuatro historias que desafían la realidad. De las cuatro historias solamente una es mentira. ¿Cuál será? En el último episodio de Tremenda Vaina te contamos de un muchacho en China que vendió una parte de su cuerpo para comprarse un iPad. ¿Será verdad? ¿Será mentira? Suscríbete en iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify o tu plataforma favorita. También nos puedes seguir en Twitter, Instagram o Facebook. El mundo enfrenta una pandemia. Encuentre respuestas y acceda a información veraz y confirmada en el especial de NTN24 sobre coronavirus COVID-19. Escuche los contenidos de NTN24 en su plataforma de podcast favorita. Total Wine and More now offers curbside pickup and same-day delivery in Northern Virginia. Have great finds at great prices delivered right to your car or to your door. It's easy to discover the more ways Total Wine and More has you covered at TotalWine.com. All right, so in the news, a woman was denied her emotional support pet peacock on the United Airlines. Oh. My question to you guys is, yeah. what will be your emotional animal? Mm. Um, mine's going to be a snake. Oh, a snake? Okay. Yeah, because I'm going to ward off all the snakes around me. Like, ah. Okay, and that makes you feel more relaxed. Yeah. Okay. Frank. I'll, I'll have, a, I'll have a, a chihuahua, and I want to name him Paco. Okay. Cute. Just, God forbid you sleep with it because you might crush him. But go ahead. Jamie? Cute. I think mine's will be a monkey. Um, but I got to be careful because I don't want it to bite my face off because then I'll need, I'll need medical support as well as emotional support. <laughs> <laughs> mine would be like Richard Gere style. It would be a gerbil. A gerbil? To put where? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's multi-use. Oh. But it'll keep that was relaxed. never proven, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> the Latinos Out Loud Podcast. Oh. Yo, y'all know what time it is? I, it's the Latinos Out Loud podcast. What's up, what's up? It's your girl, Rachel La Loca. Yo, it's your boy, all fitted up, Juan Bago in his house. Mr. Frank Nibs. And Jay Ferns. We are here. This is episode numero cinco. Cinco. Number five of the new season on the Revolver Network. Are we going to celebrate number five? Because I know you love celebrating a lot of stuff. I love celebrating life, period. Every day there should be something that you celebrate. Today I'm celebrating being here with you. Episode five. Let's take a dive and let's keep it live. Yo, you've been rapping a lot lately, huh? I'm inspired. I don't know. That is what this is about. Um, how are you guys doing? I'm doing great. Mike, what are you inspired about? Because you're wearing a suit today, yeah. like uh, like a men's warehouse sale. I, I, yeah, Burlington Co. Factory. Guys, They stop. must have had a two for one. He stopped, all right? It's well, first, like the first Salvation, Salvation Army had a bunch of suits <laughs> on the rack today. You're going to love the way you look. I guarantee it, Mike. 
Look, you gotta right, kind of like the way you look because it's, look, it's a nice suit, but it's wrinkled. He the, likes the way he looks. We don't. Can I can I answer the question? I mean, oh, you wanted to answer? Obviously, it? you ask it, but then you answer it for me. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, we're being recorded, and I wanted to look presentable. You know, I wanna I wanna take our game to the next level. Nice. So I figured I'd wear a shirt and tie. Take this real serious. You know, Dominican cab driver style. That is exactly what you look like, actually. Absolutely, and with my mustache. Either you know, that or like a GED teacher. <laughs> so you're on the Timberlake, you're on the Timberlake uh, suit and tie tip. Yes, <laughs> but I'm on his current tip. I'm wearing like a Man of the Woods type. <laughs> I'm like unshaven. Uh, I'm wearing, a, you know, a dingy sweater. <laughs> Speaking of GED, so you graduated UCB, uh, what, 201? Yeah. 201. Yo, I graduated wow. from improv. Congrats, I mean, girl. graduated is a very big word, but, like, let's just say I'm moving on from the second level of improv Beautiful. over at the Upright Citizens Brigade. I had my graduation show on you Saturday. You didn't nobody. You didn't even tell you know, us. What, what's up with I'm that? I'm sorry. I, I mean, I don't know. It's all the way down in the East Village. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Ooh. So far away. Look, I invited Jamie when I graduated 201. He came to see me. Well, I just thought it was like a quick one-hour show. And shout out to all my classmates. It was a lot of fun. We did our damn thing, you know, teams of eight, eight on eight. There was a nice little audience there. Shout out to our teacher, Molly Thomas. She's like a ball of sunshine and made the class a lot of fun because I think Improv 201. And I tried explaining to my parents what Improv was. That was a failure. It what? Just, I What's couldn't... that, Rachel? Yes, and. Yeah, yes, and. I couldn't get it across because Improv. See, you guys know, like, improv, like, loosely translates. People are like, oh, so you just think on your feet. Quick wit. I'm like, it's a lot more than that. There's you know? a science behind it. Um, yeah. I feel like I improv every day, like, just with people on the train. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I love, like, you know, the skill that I, I learned just because that is going to plug into everything else that I do, including this podcast, the writing, the acting. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. What was any, any highlights of the graduation uh, show? show? Yeah, I mean, my I did a monologue, so my Ooh. monologue was all about my gray hair, my gray streak, because right. um, the suggestion from the audience was hair, and that made oh. me think of my gray streak. Was that someone you planted in there to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so she didn't want us there. Yo, Deborah, just scream out hair. Come on, I'm paying you 10 bucks. I'm glad it was hair. Cause yo, the thing with improv is like a lot of people say the same thing, like pineapple. Like what? How? What do you get? What monologue? Orgasm. Yeah, there's a lot of like those one words that people often use. Viagra. Exactly. <laughs> Penis. It was fun because I spoke about how this gray streak has given me confidence, and it's added to like my character, my persona. It's made me embrace my age and who I am, and I hope I'm inspiring others by doing just that and not dyeing my hair anymore. Aww. And so that led to the first scene, which was about. Out. Um, oh, and I should add that, like, my mom is the one who made me grow this out. My mom was the one two Thanksgivings ago that was like, Déjalo crecer. You know, Let I was it like, grow. all right. So, like, the first scene was um, a girl getting married and she found her first gray hair. And I played the mom. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cute. Next, you're going to have one coming out of your vagina. <laughs> Whoa, hey now. And then it went there and that escalated. So, you guys know how improv works is, you know, three beats. Um, so, then we did a frozen fun. spoof and I sang Let It Grow. <laughs> and it was great. Let it grow. <laughs> Let and it grow. Just moving on to, like, the latter part of my weekend, really quick. Like Sunday was also another inspiring day because what was it the day, the day of the Lord? It was crazy, sexy, cruel day. Uh -oh. Okay. By the way, by the way, there's a there's a meme floating around that Jamie created the men version of the show of our show. Yeah, yes. bring um, it. What is it? Um, uh, God's gift to women. So, yes. but, but it's <laughs> Talk about G -G sexist. GGW. <laughs> 
no, that doesn't work. Well, for those of you that don't know, Crazy, Sexy, Cruel is a show that um, I'm involved in as a writer as an as, and as an actress. And it's an all-female, all-Latina, written, directed, produced, and acted Woo! show. Wow. Nice. And that's mm. taking place at the People's Improv Theater. I'll talk about it more during the Que Lo Que segment. At the pit. And so the women came over. And guess what, you guys? Like, I know I've been talking about my she-loft a little bit here. Mm -hmm. Like, my husband has his man cave downstairs. And upstairs, I have my she-loft. And I was like, all right, where are we all going to fit? I don't have that big of an apartment. So we all went up to the she-loft. And, like, my paintings and, like, everything I have around there that's very female and empowering actually inspired us. We came up with sketches. We did our read-through. We built on what was already presented as a sketch. Like, it was a really amazing 10-hour. Day like we were with each Damn. other for ten hours. I don't think Room Twenty Eight's wow. ever had a twenty. A no, people have day. to leave early during yeah. Room Twenty Eight. Uh, yeah. Wow. All right, guys, it's been uh, an hour and a half. <laughs> hey, here we wrap. go with the Jerry impressions. Yes, yeah, it's been an hour and a half. Let's wrap this here up. All right. So on Instagram, uh, <laughs> me and Mike had we were we saw that Ariana put up the She Loft um, yeah. picture, and we had ideas for different names for the She Loft. Oh, I said uh, the Loca Lair. I said Ooh, I like that. I said the Rachel's Ranch. Rachel's Ranch, it sounds like a sex <laughs> place. Like, come to Rachel's Ranch. At Re in Reno, Nevada. <laughs> beautiful Reno. <laughs> okay, anything else? Or those are the only two? Well, I think guys? you had another one. There was one more, no? Oh, or know. someone else jumped in and put a knot. But I like Rachel's Ranch. Okay, <laughs> Rachel's I mean, yeah, Ranch. The Strauss Shack. Oh, oh, I like that shit. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like it, I like it. Um, listen, I know that you're, we're giving away a couple of tickets. Yes. We just haven't figured out how, but we have two weeks to figure it out. Okay. But if you're interested and you're an audience member, uh, stay tuned because we're going to give away a pair of tickets for the February 10th show. All or right. you can also buy them. They're only $10 and they're at the Pitt's website right now for sale. Mm. So just go, uh, just Google the Pit or go to my Instagram page. The link is in my bio at Rachel La Loca. And I'm very, very honored to have been invited to participate. And it also gives me a conduit and a platform to put some of my writing out there. And we're going to be speaking to another female writer, developer, showrunner in the latter part of this show um, that she's another one that has really inspired me and I'm going to keep on going and doing what I'm doing. Yeah, wow, Rachel. Yeah. This is really good. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, I went to see the show on Saturday of Who Made the Potato Salad. Tell us about uh, it. Danny, Danny uh, Garcia, a.k.a. Uh, ex-co-host, uh, was my plus one and we went and it was really a dope dope show they gave out free coquito shots wow yeah I like this style now check this out this show they all get together the writers get together the same day they write all the sketches the same day and then they rehearse all day and they perform the sketches there we they did it at uh, where we did the do the right spring show oh that's the June Havoc Theater part of the Barrow Group I think it has a different name now Tank Okay. Yes. The tank. Uh, so that sounds like a, a fun way to do a show, but how you know it depends, right? You do it. You have to write stuff the day of. Not everybody yeah, can write. Really how did how did they pull it off? No, the show was great, but the thing is, is that you gotta like really as a performer, you gotta be on point because you're you're talking yeah. about memorizing lines and figuring out beats and everything within the same day. No, nah, I would. Wow. So, I would have like stuff written on my hand <laughs> on like a, on a fake menu. I would no have cue cards. No nothing. And they did like. A little, uh, they did a thing where they had like instead of uh, like video sketches or monologues and stuff like that, they had like the the Lehman Color Fly Girls, so they had like a lot of oh, dancing in between. Shit. So that was really that was really cool. And their next show is March 31st, 
Uh, spoiler alert, I might be in it. But <laughs> but in a surprising way, in a surprising way, it's not what you think. Uh, I just fell in love with the dancing, so I might be, I... One, of the, I might be one of the dancers nice. for the Wait, next show. So what's the name of the show again? Uh, who made the potato salad? So is are uh, are they going to reveal that you're the one who made the potato salad when you cameo? <laughs> Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert. So it was great. I recommend you guys go check it out. Next show is going to be March 31st. Shout out to Suni Reyes because Suni Reyes she directed, directed it. And, and she's, she's directing our your director. Show. Yo, Suni's killing it. What's it called? Is, who made a potato salad? Who tossed the salad? Hold hey, different <laughs> show, That's a different mic. That's a different mic show. Tranquilito, loco. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, well, listen. On that note, I think it is time now. For some bochicha bites. Right. Ooh, mm, wait, yeah, do we have an intro? I think we did. I Yay. think Anthony finally. Uh, oh, okay, because last week there was no intro. There was so no I thought intro. We, I was free and clear of all these new intros. No, there's an nope. intro. All right. This is an ongoing thing. Bochicha, bochicha, bochicha bites. Ba, 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 bochicha, bochicha bites. Was that a gunshot at the end? Was that a Lion King over here? What's going on? Oh wow, we are in a circle of life. Of, yeah. A podcast life. Yo, I know. For real, yo. Yo, That's like, you... I, I wish I had a chicken to sacrifice. <laughs> Hold on, I got the Ouija board. <laughs> wow. Oh, Thank you, Anthony. Wow, Anthony. So, you outdid wow. yourself with that. All right. All right. So, so, yes. Let's get into it. The Grammys oh, yeah. oh. were this Sunday, this mm. past Sunday. Yes. Did you uh, watch it? Uh, I did watch it. I'm more of a like an MTV Music Awards type of guy, but sometimes if I'm home, I watch, I watch the Grammys are on. Hey, I watch it, you know? <laughs> I just feel like there's way too many genres in the Grammys. There are. It's like, oh, I want to see this artist, but then a country artist comes, and I'm like, change the channel to Shark Tank. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So racist. Uh, what? Well, A-Rod. <laughs> You're very country racist? Yeah. What? No, it's not the Country people. is like bachata, and I know you grew up with Dominicans, so you're aware of how that works. I don't know. I just can't get in. I, I like old school country, like the cowboy one, the cowboy old school. <laughs> like the guys who are drunk all the time. And okay. They're like in the studio, and they just like with a hangover singing. But the ones now is just like poppy country. Right, it's like early right, Taylor right, Swift. Right. Well, it sounds like I know way too much about country now. I see that. I think I'm secret. For someone that hates country, you know a lot of details. All right, but look, the may, let's let's the, the the night started off. I was watching the red carpet yes. and um Cardi B. Yes. Ah, Work. yeah. He said something very uh Ow. very Ow. memorable. So I think we have a clip uh something. Yeah, we do have a clip. How are you? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling nervous, overwhelmed, everything. You feel it all right now. I feel it all butterfly in my stomach and vagina. What? Okay, so Rachel, wow. have, have you ever had butterflies in your stomach and vagina? Uh, yes, actual butterflies. I have had them in my... Oh, no, you mean fake butterflies. <laughs> actually, there's a vibrator out there called the butterfly, too, believe it or not. There is, actually. Yeah, yeah. Every, every vibrator is an animal of some it is. sort. Yo. It's pretty genius. Just the wings buzz is all I'm wow. going to say. And you wow. strap it on. Is that nice. your support animal? <laughs> First it's a cocoon and then it ends up as a butterfly in my vagina. Okay, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy moment and like the follow up she was talking about like the, the lady that was asking her questions it, it, that was going around it was uh, it was going viral the way that uh, Cardi B's reaction was like she was looking at her like she had like three heads how like the lady was asking her questions she was like not even even entertaining it. So it was funny how Cardi B did her thing on the red carpet with her, yeah. with her sister Hennessy. Yes. Mm, Cardi B and Hennessy. 
Yeah. Ay, yo uh, yeah. I see a, a future reality show with okay. both of them. Yeah. Okay. I can see cool. it. I just love her because she says what's on her well, mind. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And that's yeah. funny. That's good. We need more women like that. I feel like a lot of these women are on the red carpet and they say the same shit. It's like that media trained rehearsed verse that their publicist was like, okay, this is what you're going to say. Ready? Mm. You're going to say, I'm wearing Versace. I'm happy to be here. I have an album coming out in 30 days and I love my fans. That's true. And what does Cardi do? The opposite. She kept it real. <laughs> we need more voices like that. We do. Yeah. So, um, ladies, if you got butterflies, let it out. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, there was, uh, it wasn't all butterflies in the vagina. Despacito was shut out. Oh, Yo, that, that was, was terrible. Controversy um, right there. Really, Grammy? Not even, not even for Puerto Rico? Nothing. You know, that would have been so great. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're punishing them for having Justin Bieber on the remix. That's, that's a good point. Uh, look, they even lost in the best pop duo group performance category to a band called Portugal the Man. Damn. What? Even the most hipsteriest of hipsters is like, who's Portugal the Man? Never heard of them. <laughs> like everybody knew. Everybody loved Despacito. I mean, you know. the highest gross uh, Latino uh, song ever. That's crazy. The yeah. most views on YouTube. On Five YouTube. billion. So what is it? What does the next Spanish language song have to do to get noticed in the Grammys? Like this is pre- wow. This 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 song pretty much broke all the records and they couldn't even get one award. You know. I'm just happy that Suavemente got bumped because I'm done with Suavemente. <laughs> I fucking hate that song. Suavemente. And now finally the reign of Suavemente is over and replaced. Remember when Ricky Martin first performed in the Grammys when he did a You Really Want It and everyone in the audience acted like they never it was the best musical performance of yeah. all time like yeah. it was so weird it was like this is just a soccer anthem but to like <laughs> to like all these white people in the audience they were like wow he's got a lot of flavor I love Ricky Caliente um, so yeah I think uh, it's gonna t- we'll, we'll see if uh, we'll see if another Latin artist can can break that wall down, mm. you know. Yeah. We ain't going nowhere. We got all these walls, people putting up for you know against ba- us. Bad Bunny is doing a song with Drake, so we we, 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 we good, yo. Next year we good. Um, We're gonna win it. Jay Z also got shut out. His yeah. album four four four. Maybe we I should call it zero 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 now. <laughs> oh, wow, you and your zingers. The wow. thing was, this was the after. This was the day after he said he ended his Grammys boycott because of Beyonce. So he's probably oh, going to go back to uh, the boycotting. Yeah, right. 444 what? <laughs> nothing. For nothing. Um, uh, for nothing. Kendrick Lamar won won all the major rap awards. Yes. Yeah. Well deserved. He's well deserved. He's a good guy. And he also became my mother's favorite new rapper. Really? <laughs> she was like, Mira, I like that he's humble. <laughs> this dad's joke is uh, brought to you. No, by. it was a mom joke, literally. That True. A, okay, That's cool. Uh, yo, but the weirdest thing all night was that. Sting and Shaggy Yo, are now a what thing. Was, what was, up was with that, that all about? What, first of all, Shaggy should be... Mr. Lava Mr. Lava Lava. And Mr. Seven Hour Lover. Because <laughs> Sting is into tantric sex. You know that, right? So, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. How do you know these facts about Sting? No. That's, nah, that's like, you know, well Rich, like you know Richard Gere like gerbils of... You know, the gerbils yeah, thing. Mike. That's true. That's true. You're right. The internet, sting. bro. Um, okay. 
Yeah, I don't know. Shaggy shouldn't be performing at the Grammys in 2018. True. No. He was in that commercial on the fake train. Can we that talk was, about yeah, that real quick? That, that was, was, that was yeah, a bad yeah. That was done poorly. That was yeah. bad. It, yeah, it, first of all, it went on way too long. Yeah. yeah it was. And that, it didn't feel natural. And that train was not stopped. There was no train traffic. There was no delays. Not a realistic train. <laughs> The construction worker was was pretty accurate. The construction worker was good, but then they had him like commit like violence on. Uh, on yeah, it was uh, too much. It, it was, was just long. like was okay, we get it, you know. And then the granny joke. Yeah, um, they went there. The, the Grammy joke, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, the Sting and Shaggy show. I'd, I'd watch. Uh, that sounds like a Saturday morning cartoon show. It rings. And now Sting coming and up on Sting and Shaggy. <laughs> it wasn't they, me. They call me Mr. Boombastic. <laughs> Mr. Lava Lava. Uh, <laughs> I can do that all day. <laughs> but yeah. Um, uh. But yeah, Grammys were interesting. Uh, okay. a, uh, a different story, completely changing topics. Nothing to do with the Grammys. Nothing to do with the Grammys. I'm yes. done. I'm done with music. Okay. Um, uh, this story is interesting. The nicest guy in Hollywood is going to play the nicest guy in the neighborhood. Ooh. So get used to, get used to Tom Hanks in cardigan sweaters because he's playing Mr. Rogers. Wow. Oh my god, I love that show! In an upcoming movie, he's playing Mr. Rogers. Did you did you guys? Is watch... it rated R? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I used to love that show. Me too. Used to watch me. I everybody all the time. Used to Rogers. He that was like, was like my he only yeah. my introduction like... to like Caucasian people. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I used to want that big traffic light. Remember, he had the big traffic yeah, light in the yeah, living room. Yeah. I really wanted one for my room. Never got it. I was dying for him to get mad one day. He always no. was happy. Never. He was always in a good mood. Never. He was the you, best. you couldn't get him out of his out of his no. cool. He was happy all the time. It's yeah. a beautiful day. I always I was always surprised no, nothing came out yeah, with him cuz he he did have as you got older you were like Mr. Rogers is kind of a creepy looking dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I wouldn't want to just be in a in a room alone with him. You know what I mean? Of what course. else is in that closet, Mr. Rogers, aside from your sneakers and those jackets? <laughs> No, I don't want to play with your puppets, Mr. Rogers. I got to get home, okay? <laughs> Why is the door locked? <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? Uh, any uh, information when it's going to come out? Or? No, I think it's just it was just announced. So, okay. um, Do you guys know about the spinoff show that's on now? No. There's, no. Oh, yeah. There's a cartoon. There's no I watched. Yes, there is. <laughs> it's on Channel 13. It's called Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Remember Daniel Tiger? Yes. He was one of the puppets from the land of make-believe. Oh. So it's his neighborhood. It's a cartoon, and it's a really good show. I love it. I watch it with my kid. The only thing I don't like about the show is... He's a tiger and he's a puppet and he makes a fucking song about everything. Like every two minutes is a different song. Like, hey, Daniel Tiger, want to go to school? I want to go to school. Like everything is a song. I'm like, that's Everybody's not how singing. life is, you know? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Daniel Tiger, you have to eat your vegetables because I have to stay nutritious. <laughs> it's everything. Every two minutes is a song. It's, it drives me nuts. It's so, that, Rachel, you've been doing that lately, though. Like today, it was like... <laughs> Rachel, you're you're late for the podcast. The train was delayed. <laughs> Damn a. Oh God, I got Daniel Tiger disease. The a a a. I think Tom Hanks uh, should rock the Forrest Gump voice for the Mister Rogers because it's almost <laughs> close. You know, like <laughs> box of chocolate. Like you know, life is like a box of chocolates. Almost sounds like, won't you be my neighbor? Oh, <laughs> you know, it has the same sing songy. Yeah. But uh, that's just me. Uh, final story: the latest viral sensation. This week was a video of what looked like a rat taking a shower. Have you seen what? this? No. Yes, I did see it. I saw it. It's like it's rubbing his body. That with was like just some... Mike looking in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. That's okay. Oh, that's I didn't perfect. mean it. It was a joke. I know. It's all right. All right. It's okay. Um, but what? But what look? <laughs> but what looked? But like... was it a rat? No, that's the thing. Um, it was, was it a, a rodent. fucking rat. 
It was a. Sorry. It wasn't a rat per se. It was a South American rodent mm. oh, from so, Peru. So it's a ratino. It's a ratino. <laughs> I know a few of those. <laughs> Why'd you look at me? Take a shower, huh? Mind your business. It's actually called a, a pacarana. Pacarana. A pacarana. Can, can you please say that a couple of times? <laughs> pacarana. 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 Um, and it was actually, uh, according to a researcher in urban rat biology okay. from the University of Helsinki in Finland. <laughs> That's not This right, is bro. real. This is a real okay. article. He says that it probably wasn't, it wasn't probably, it was probably cleaning poison off of its body. So oh, what these people thought was a cute video was actually probably this rat um, suffering. <laughs> Pretty what? hardcore. So all you rat, uh, you know, all you rat lovers out there, uh, you know. You should. I would strike. I would go on strike, or I would um, mm. write letters to whoever posted this video because it's not good. It's not cool. It's okay. not cool. Um, well, thank you so much, Jamie. But thirty-seven million views. Wow. Yeah, incredible. So um, we're coming to your part right now, Rachel. Yay! But Yay. I just want to tell you, Rachel, what? as a friend, what you've been very inspirational to me. How, what, Mike? Are you getting deep? Yes. Okay. Wait. What? Rachel, you've inspired me. How um, have I inspired you? Because everything you do, you do it right, and you're always creating stuff. And with the local lists, oh it, it, it's really inspired me. And I figured I haven't been doing enough for the show, Ooh. so I figured I'd come up with my own little segment. Oh, here we go. Oh. I and knew so, there was a twist. All right. I knew there was and a so, plot twist. Um, Scales, can you <laughs> drop the... Oh, get out of here. Really? Can you drop it, please? Come on. Come on. Amazing. Ah. Uh. Amazing. It's the queen, y'all. Amazing. Is the Boggle Commandments. What? Yes. So, the Boggle Commandments? Yeah. So I've been working and I've been doing a lot of research. What? And uh, I've came up with a little bit of all a... Right, first of all, Wait. can I just interrupt? Because what? Mike, this is it's stupid. That's Rachel's segment and now you want to just like... I can't even have a fucking segment You can't have a segment here. without you well, putting your you own know? twist to it? Wait, what are you... First off, it's the Boggle Commandments. So it's not a list... Weekly, I'm doing commandments. I'm you know telling what? people. First of all, it's stupid. It's 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 disrespectful to Rachel. Thank you. And plus, I want to put my new segment on. If you can play the the, oh the intro God. to that. Come on, come on. Hey. Uh. Oh. It's the queen, y'all. Hey. Ah. The Ferns Files. What? what? The Ferns really? The Ferns Files. So you cock lucky me because you came up with a list yourself. <laughs> It's, That's a, I it's not a list. That. It's a files. It's what files. But what's Every the difference week. between it? There's how's the difference between the files and the local some, list? Sometimes it's confidential. You know. <laughs> Come on. Yo, yo, guys, guys, you know what? You guys have been inspiring me. me a lot. <laughs> what are you talking you about? Know, I want to expand a little bit from like fake I'm news. Dying. And I kind of have my own kind of segment. It's what are you called, talking about? It's called Nibs Knows Best. What? What, <laughs> what are you talking about? Play it. Play it. Play it. <laughs> Come on, come on. You got it, baby. Uh. It's the queen, y'all. We gonna do this. Nibs knows best. (laughs) (laughs) Nibs knows best. I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's an advice. (laughs) 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 All right, we're just Uh, kidding. Go ahead. Play play the localist. Come on, come on. Local. Uh. Local. It's the queen, y'all. Local. Ah! The localist. Oh. Right. Oh 
my god, you guys. I'm trying to breathe. It's hard right now. You guys are idiots. Oh, Jesus. Okay, here we go. So, this week's list is actually in honor of our guest today, which I'm not going to reveal just yet. Mm-hmm. But Loka's list for this week is the top five classic TV shows that should be remade with a Latino twist. Ooh. All right. Number one on my list, New York Undercover. Oh, yes. oh. They need to. Before yes. there was Law & Order, there was New York Undercover. Yes. We saw the careers of two of our favorite Latinos take flight, Lauren Velez and Michael DiLorenzo. But if it is a true remake and representation of the NYPD, then we'll see many, many more of us on screen, both in uniform and in handcuffs. Mm. <laughs> Shout out to Michael DiLorenzo. We follow each other and we're Facebook friends. All right. All right. We should him. get him on the show. Yes. He's a very talented actor. Is he still he on the cover? Or <laughs> is, he, is he going by his normal alias now? <laughs> All right, uh, another show that should be remade with a Latino twist is Friends. Oh, of course. This is the problem that I have with Friends. It's like a classic TV show, great writing, whatever, it was funny. But like this show about roommates in New York City with not one Latino Yo, on the cast. That's not, that doesn't make sense. Come on, guys. That's not even like, not even on side plots. Yes. They, were, they never bumped into a Latino like on the streets of New York. It's I never like, seen a black person on that show, honestly. There was like one. Ross dated a yeah. black girl. Yeah. 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 Really? Real, quick, real quick, real quick. And he was just trying to make Rachel jealous. Get out of here. (laughs) Terrible, terrible. But imagine if it were like with Latinos, I think that would be a hit. Uh, Number three. Amigos? Yeah, Amigos. Uh, We call them Amigos. Good, good, good. Amigos. Amigos. Amigos for sure. Amigos. Number three on my list, Gilligan's Island. Ooh, that's a wild card. That's right? a wild card one. Ooh. I envision it taking place on an island off of DR or PR or Cuba, but I don't see it lasting more than a season only because Latinos were so inventive and survivor skilled that I think the whole cast would definitely find a way off the island. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. We, were, we would create a Yola and we would go off. Word. Word. <laughs> We'd be, able, we'd be able to make a radio out of a coconut in like five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Or oh, they'd probably just start a resort. It'd be like, <laughs> second season, Gilligan's Resort. <laughs> Try tu familia. <laughs> y comida. For four ninety nine for one week, you could come. <laughs> All right, number four on my list is ALF. Remember Alien Life oh. 4? Remember that? Hey, Willie. I used to love that Carlitos show. Way could play ALF. Oh, my God. In the remix. No offense yeah. to Carlitos Way, just because he's a little person. Yeah. Well, I feel like Latinos believe in the extraterrestrial more so than any other race. And mm-hmm. we could have the alien be like a Walter Mercado-like being yes. who eats jelly donuts and comes to this planet to guide us through horoscopes. Wow, Very interesting. Nice. Right? I already wrote the log line. There you I go. I see that. You're alien prepared. Latino. <laughs> alien Latino form. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's right there in the title, y'all. Duh. Um, number five and the final one on my list of classic TV shows that should be brought back with a Latino twist. This one was a no-brainer. The Brady Bunch. Yo, oh, that was my shit. Oh, that was my shit. You know I, what I'm saying? I used to love that, man. Oh, I love that The show. classic series revolves around a large blended family with six children, two formerly separated parents supporting six kids. Does it get any more Latino? There you go. Mm-hmm. I was going to say. You know. That's it. That's my list. For awesome, them. Rachel. Great Thanks. stuff. Thanks. I mean, it was so amazing. We're not going to actually live off the uh, spinoffs that we created today. So thank you so much. That was too much, you guys. Wow. And on that note, it is time for Fake News. Live from La Gran Manzana, it's Frank Spirison News with Frank Nibs. Hello, Hello, folks. How you doing, guys? We're good, Frank. Frank. 
We're great, Frank. Guys, I have some, <laughs> I have some very, very, very interesting news today. But they always are interesting. So what are you no, this say? one is really, really good. Okay, okay, okay. This, this one has to do with the humanity and if we're going to survive going forward. What? Yes. That's deep. The human race could be infertile in 50 years. What? Yes. Infertile? Like yes. nobody can re- create, reproduce? That's correct. Procreate? Men are being feminized and women are being masculinized. Excuse me? What What's are you talking I mean, right. what are you talking about? Excuse me, Frank, be more specific. <laughs> All right. We have scientists from uh, from Hebrew University in Jerusalem that found out. That sounds like a fake university. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like the university Mike said he went to in Connecticut. <laughs> Hold on, guys. All right. They say male sperm counts have fallen by almost 60% in 40 years. All right. They analyzed 43,000 men from North America, Europe, Australia, New Zealand. Okay. This is being termed sperm-ageddon. Oh, my God. Oh, that's my favorite Michael Bay movie. Really? Because that sounded like the summer of 99 for me. A lot of sperm that year. (laughs) Sorry. Too much information. And this, Darren, when you were getting ready for Y2K? <laughs> it don't matter. I'm going to die anyways. It was the summer I went on birth control. And, and this spermageddon culture comes from uh, over-radiated foods, over-vaccinations, and uh, undernourished uh, human beings. Okay? And skinny jeans. That too. Ooh, that'll do it. <laughs> and as I mentioned once in, our, in another uh, podcast that we have, uh, a, a scientist from Atlanta claiming that the water in Atlanta had certain chemicals that turned uh, frogs into uh, gay frogs, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So there's this chemical that's in our Rip water. It. There's this <laughs> chemical in our water called endocrine, okay? And this chemical causes homosexuality in men and women, okay? Wait, it's yeah. a cream? Right. It's a cream? All right, like, listen to this. Like lotion? <laughs> that's why men today are lazy, fat, impotent. Dumber, infertile, and have smaller penises. And are less Sounds interested. Like a Trump I didn't need a report to tell me that. <laughs> and are less interested in sex with real women and seek out porn instead. Wow. wow. So okay. it's like a Vix that makes you want dicks? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And our women, too. They're saying birth control, okay? Masculinizes women and feminizes men. And condoms are also a way of making men infertile with the powdery thing that the condoms have. Yeah, 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 Mm -hmm. that. It makes men infertile. That's what I tell every girl. (laughs) I can't use a condom, mom. It's going to infertilize me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Good one. So they're saying all these different things are making men and women, you know. Damn. Men wow. turn into women and women turn into men and it's making men unfertile. So they're just trying to end the human race? Right. It's called, it's for, you have to, uh, it's, it's called population control. Mm. Who's they? Who are the, who the, is behind this? The powers that be are trying to, popu- are trying to control the population. The one percenters? Have, the Illuminati? Well, I would say the, the, po- the, the people that control the world. Mm. And uh, do you Disney? know them? Disney? Are you, oh, are, you, are you friends with them on LinkedIn? No, not really. Okay. Um, I'm I'm in the bottom. They won't be my friends. Okay. All right. So they're trying to control the population. The population is growing out of control, and they're trying to control things, and that's the best way. And it's all, it also comes down to economics. Nowadays, most of us don't want children because of economics and so on and so forth. So it's I also, right, social engineering also. Oof. I believe scary. this. This one I believe. I believe it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's three guys in this room that don't have kids, so. For real. That you that know, you know of, that, that we that we claim it. <laughs> wow. Well, Frank. Wow. Uh, I'm sad now. 
It's interesting news, huh? Yeah, very Oh, and by the way, there's a movie that came out about seven years ago called Children of Men. Yes. And in this movie, it takes place in the future, and no women have given birth in about 25 years. And this one woman all of a sudden becomes pregnant. So it's a very interesting film. So, so you're telling our listeners, go check out that movie. Yes. Okay. It would kind of give off of what I was speaking of today. And everybody out. go out there and get pregnant. Everybody yes. go fuck right now. Well, not yes. right now, after this episode. Yes. Yes. Please. Yeah, Frank, I think you've uh, inspired me. <laughs> <laughs> to put a bun in the oven. Ow. Well, thank I... you so much, Frank. You're welcome, guys. Anytime. Yes, and I think, this, I think it's time for some uh, shout-outs. Yay, I have one. Woo! Can I go? Yeah, you can go first. All right, cool. So, mad love to our partners at Yero.com. That's O-L-E-R-O.com, the news and lifestyle platform for Latino men. Mi gente, don't let the fake news get the better of you. If you've got a story to tell, know someone who's doing incredible things or just has something to say, Yero wants to hear from you. They're looking for contributors, and this is your shot. So, email your ideas to contributor at Yero.com. That's contributor at yero.com. And if you can't spell contributor, then you probably shouldn't be writing. (laughs) (laughs) And my shout out for Uptown Collective. They had a piece in the New Yorker about saving Coogan's. And the Uptown Collective got a shout-out, so check out uptowncollective.com and check out the article about saving Coogans. Talk about a movement right there, right? The people came together, Lin-Manuel Miranda, his dad, and they reopened an iconic bar here in Washington Heights that should have stayed open. But what were they trying to do with it? They were trying to make it dorm? They were trying to... No, they were trying to raise that rent. uh, It's owned by the hospital, Columbia, so... They're raising um, the they, rent $40,000. Yeah. Ay, Dios mío. They're raising the rent. Uh, Absolutely. Big time. So, Crazy. Yeah. And Espaya, Espaya. But the, yeah. Community, yeah. Came the community in. really loves mozzarella sticks because they fought <laughs> to keep that, <laughs> that place open. <laughs> All right. Okay. Latinos Out Loud listeners, you are in for a treat, and it's not even Halloween. Are you guys ready? Oh, yes. yeah. You guys, directamente from the City of Angels, we have executive producer, writer, showrunner, developer, amazing Latina, Gloria Calderon, Kellett on the line. <laughs> this is a high energy I like show. to do things in falsetto. I like to talk in falsetto. <laughs> As long as you're with us, we don't care if you falsetto, auto-tune, what have you. (laughs) We're just happy to have you on the show. Such a phenomenal woman doing phenomenal things for our community. We have so many questions for you. Um, First, thank you so much for taking the time. You know, we know you must be so busy. Second season of One Day at a Time is streaming now on Netflix, and it's been getting rave reviews. So congratulations. Un aplauso. Thank you. Thank you guys. I'm very excited. I'm so I'm so happy that the show is doing well because not only is it really a story about our people and our families and and Latinidad, but it's also written by uh, so many Latinos and starring so many Latinos. So it, it, that just brings such joy to my heart when all of those things come together and then we receive this kind of success. That's amazing. Now, there are a lot of listeners out there that may not be clear on what an, ex- an executive producer, showrunner, writer does. Could you explain in a few sentences what that all means? Yes. Okay. So an executive producer, showrunner means that I produce the show, which means I am in charge of uh, casting. I oversee 
every single element of the production. So from the sets to the furniture, to the throw pillows, to the curtains, to the anything that happens on that set gets approved by the executive producer showrunner. We determine uh, what, what it looks like. And then with casting, we put forth to the studio and network who are our favorite picks and fight for those people and try to get them cast. Sometimes we are successful. Sometimes we are not. Netflix was really good to us and we got all the people that we wanted and they supported us. Uh, and then all of the writing and making sure that everything in every script is executed. So we break the stories together, which means we come up with the stories together. We have a staff of writers that work underneath us and we guide them and, and help them to get the stories and the writing to where it needs to be. And really every element of the show goes through the executive producer showrunners, which is myself and Mike Royce uh, for one day at a time. Wow. So, um, Sort of segueing off of that question, we spoke last night for a few moments, and you mentioned that you actually started as an actor, and this road to becoming executive producer, writer, showrunner is where you're at now. Can you explain what that journey looked like and how and why you started as an actor and ended up where you are today? Yes, well, I started as an actor because I loved storytelling and I loved doing plays. It was that simple. I loved doing plays when I was in grade school and high school and college. And when I, uh, I went to Loyola Marymount here in Los Angeles. And when I graduated and I uh, got an agent, you know, everyone's so excited about getting an agent. Every audition was gangbanger's girlfriend and gangbanger's sister or gangbanger's friend or gangbanger. <laughs> it was never, uh, you know, a young lawyer, a young teacher, a young social worker, nada. And I was confused, to be honest, because I know all of the Latinos. I, I don't know anybody in a gang. Uh, I, I, so it was a very foreign world to me. I know that that exists. That's certainly been well-documented, but there's a lot of other stories that also exist that don't seem to get the same amount of screen time. And I was very confused by that and frustrated as an actor, uh, who felt like when I would go in, I was never Latino enough. I got that a lot. Like she looks Italian. She's so fair skinned. She's not Latina. Um, and it was frustrating. So I went to grad school and I, in, in England, it's acting and writing is seen so differently and is so much more admired, but it's also something that's a craft that you work on. And when I came back from grad school and came back to Los Angeles, my perspective had just shifted. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to write these parts for myself. And uh, certainly it will resonate with someone. And that's how I'm going to get hired. And in doing the writing, I really, something opened up in me. And people liked my acting, but the writing, they just, they were really so much more in love with the writing because they hadn't seen Latinos uh, portrayed in this way, which is shocking to me because it wasn't that long ago. It was only like, it was only 12 years ago. Hmm. So uh, I started writing the horse in the direction it was going, which, which means that when they were responding to the writing, I loved the writing. I loved, uh, I loved doing that. And I wasn't as, um, you know, I didn't know anyone in the entertainment industry. I didn't have like a Theo at the yacht, not nothing. I knew nothing. So I had to be very self-taught and I had to uh, really hustle and try to figure it out as quickly as I could. So that's what I did. Um, I knew theater writing. I knew playwriting. That's what I studied in grad school. I knew how to put up a small bare bones production, but I didn't have money. I had no money. Mm -hmm. So I could afford to get a little theater for a couple hundred bucks. And I asked my friends and I put out casting calls and I decided I was going to put up a show with several different women. 
and they were going to tell monologues uh, largely from my life. And the first few nights, I gave tickets away to all my favorite charities. Um, people who were volunteers at, at, you know, the Lupus Center, the American Cancer Society, the LGBTQ Center. I just gave them tickets and said, anybody who wants to come can come. And I gave three tickets to the actors. And so those first few nights, we weren't making any money, but people were seeing the show. And then word of mouth spread. And for the rest of the run, we had a 20-person around-the-block waiting list to get in. And that's really how I got my agent, my manager. Everything came from putting my own work out there and the only way I knew how to do it. So I feel like for young writers and people that are starting out, if they're making a transition from a career over, because that's the other thing, too, it's there's people that want to write there in the 40s, 50s, 60s. And that's possible, too. Everyone has a journey and a story. Um, I don't think that, that writing can be ageist. I think that everyone has a story. And so if you're looking to be a writer and you start writing your work, what is the best way to get your work to people? For me, it was plays. That's how I, I knew how to produce that. Now, this is before YouTube. This is before people could take their phones and shoot something and put it on YouTube. Um, so I think there's so many more opportunities now for people to get their work out there and start to get to hone and fine tune their own craft and in their journey towards becoming a writer in, in whatever form they would like to write. Can you explain a little bit of your experience the first time you were in a writer's room? Oh, the first time I was in a writer's room, I was the diversity hire on a show. Hmm. And, you know, the dirty little secret of the diversity hire is at least then, I, I can't speak for it now, but then it was, oh, you're the diversity hire. Hi. Oh, <laughs> and not everyone is that way. Some people were lovely to me, but some people definitely looked at me like you're here because you're female and because you're Latin and not because you have any talent whatsoever. I... So the first thing I felt I had to do was prove them wrong. Show them how good I am. Show them how much work I've done. Show them uh, the, the, the skills that I have. The problem is when you're the only one of the only women and the only person of color in a room is it's hard to do that. It's hard to get a word in edgewise between, you know, older white men who have been doing this for a long time and your voice is not, um, you just haven't found the strength yet as a writer. At least that was my journey. It was really, really hard to be comfortable and be myself and be additive when I had all these other concerns and worries being in that room. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I really swore that when I got to this place, because I had my eye on the prize even then, I knew one day I wanted to showrun. I knew that I could do it better than so many of the people I had done it before. And the showrunners that were great, I took from them the things I would do. So I'm grateful to have been on a multitude of shows, both well-run and poorly run, because you learn on either, right? How to treat people, how to get the best out of people. I knew I would want to hire many women, and I knew I would want to hire many diverse writers because it makes the conversation in the room far more interesting. And I can, I could just vouch for that on one day at a time. The, the conversations we have in the room are amongst the greatest I've had in co- conversations in general, not just for the show. It's just, we just learn from one another and it informs the writing. And I think it makes us a more cohesive group and more able to tell the types of stories that we want to tell to move the needle especially for Latinos in America right now. You mentioned that you've worked on several different shows. Could you let our audience know what some of those shows were? I worked on Quintuplets for Fox. I worked on How I Met Your Mother for CBS. I worked on Rules of Engagement for CBS. I worked on Mixology for ABC. I worked on Devious Maids for Lifetime. And 
uh, iZombie for the CW before doing my own show one day at a time for Netflix. Amazing. Wow. Hey, Gloria. So um, as far as the what qualities were you looking for specifically for the writers on One Day at a Time? And um, and also, real quick, I would I would buy an album of Gloria Stefan just performing TV show themes. After hearing her, like she can do them all. Friends. Isn't that incredible? Isn't so that amazing? Good. I'm so happy so we, that you know that was all Norman Lear. That was all Norman Lear. Norman Lear is Willy Wonka. He makes dreams come true. You just say, you know, it'd be cool. It'd be, it'd be amazing if uh, Gloria Stefan could sing the theme song. And he's like, oh, call her right now. Of course, on his phone. Everybody so, needs. He, God bless Norman Lear. Uh, he made that happen for us. Um, so when you're when you're looking to staff a room, you're looking for many different things. You're looking for uh, first of all, you're looking for upper level writers who can help you carry the load. So people who have done this for a while, who you feel confident in, you feel comfortable that they have your voice because really, what a staff of writers is doing is they're trying to be a mimic of the showrunners. They're trying to write, the, the, our beautiful staff is trying to write a show that Mike and I would, would write. So that is the lens that they all have to look at the show through, is the Mike and Gloria lens. So the first thing is you need people that when we step out of the room to go to editing or casting or set visits or production meetings, they got our back. They're making sure that every, all the, the trains are running on time and everyone is pitching correctly towards an idea that we have already pre-approved. So you need those upper level writers too. Now, a lot of those writers, by virtue of the fact that this industry is shifting slowly, those are going to be white writers largely, right? There's not a lot of Latino writers that are executive producers yet. We are working hard to change that. But the upper level writers, that's typically what the upper level writers are doing. So you need that first. You need people who, who know how to do this first. Uh, then once you have your trusted people, then you can start to fill the room out with the voices you need for the show. I, I wanted a lot of women in that room. So women was a big priority for me. I knew we wanted Latinos, but different types of Latinos because I wanted to talk about the, we got intercultural stuff within our own community that I do want to get to at some point and talk about. And also it's fun to hear all the things that are similar with all the different Latinos. So we had Mexican, uh, we have a Salvi writer, a Puerto Rican, another Cuban, um, and it was great to be able to have those conversations about like, oh my God, we did this too. We did this too. Oh, we didn't do this. Or you guys do that. And then making fun of each other, et cetera, uh, as, uh, as is ought to happen. Um, then you need story people, people that are really, really good at breaking down story. They don't have to be joke people because you need those people too. Sometimes ideally you got a writer that can do both, but sometimes you have your story people, your joke people, your people that are helping with cultural references. We also on this show, uh, we have hired out specialized positions. So because we have a heavily mil military show, we have a military consultant who comes through um, and makes sure that everything we're talking about with Penelope and Victor in the military is true. They will also hook us up with veterans who will come in and we can, we can ask them questions. They'll share their stories. Uh, we're so grateful to how, incredible and generous the veterans have been with their time in in educating the room so that we can get that right uh we also have lgbtq writers which is also very important because we knew one of the characters was going to be coming out we wanted to do representation right by them and uh we also because there's a large catholic component you know the family is catholic and i grew up catholic but there's not a lot of other catholics in the room things like when a priest comes in 
we hire a Jesuit priest to be a consultant and make sure that all of the stuff in confessions, all of the stuff in last rites, all of the all of that is done uh, with respect. And because Penelope is a nurse, we also have a medical consultant that will come in and help us to make sure that all of the medical jargon, all of the stuff when she's talking about going to school, is accurately represented given Los Angeles. So you're you're making up that incredible group of people. And then Mike and I come in with ideas for the season. We say, this is what we want to do. This is the arc that we're thinking of. And they really help us fill it in. And then everyone at some point will go off and write an episode. We, we, we break the stories. We come up with all the stories together in the room. It's just so wonderful to have all the voices involved in breaking down those stories. So we do those together. And then once the story is, is filled out, uh, to our satisfaction, we assign it to a writer and say, you go off and write this. We have teams and we have solo writers. So they'll go off and they'll have a few days or a week to go off and write a first draft. Then we read it, we give them notes, they get a second draft, and then it comes into the room where the room will read it. And then we'll all talk about it. We'll all talk about what's great, maybe a couple of joke punches. And then we will read it with the cast. The cast will read it and we'll do rewrites up until the night of shooting. And then sometimes we'll even rewrite stuff on the fly that our amazing cast just memorizes on the fly and we shoot it. Can it sometimes be difficult, um, because you deal with a lot of serious themes um, on the show, can it sometimes be difficult trying to balance, you know, like a serious topic or storyline and but also keeping that sitcom sensibility? I think we just try to be really honest and truthful. Like, my sensibility in general is laughter through tears. Um, and, and tears back to laughter. I mean, I just think that's the nature of the human condition. How many times have we been in the saddest moment of our lives and something happens and it's the funniest thing because it's breaking the tension of a moment that you need a broken tension. I mean, I, my cousins and I, you know, when my abuelita passed away, all my cousins and I got together and we went to a, a bus, a Dave and Buster's in Arizona. We were, we all had flown in for my grandmother's funeral and we were weeping. None of us had had a thing to drink, but we were laughing and telling stories and nothing had been funnier. These are stories we'd heard a million times, but for whatever reason, in that context, they were, they were hilarious and we were dying laughing. There's, I think that's just the human condition for us. And so we try to deal with it honestly. And in the room, as we're talking about things, we ourselves as writers are trying to entertain one another with our storytelling. And oftentimes in a moment of sadness, we give ourselves a second to have that breath and then somebody will crack a joke. You know, that's just what happens. So that's what we try to put in. We just try to make it seem as, as honest and organic as possible within the confines of this, of this sitcom world. Gloria, can you tell me a little bit about the differences between the season one and season two as far as the process and having the show as far as like the creative and everything? Yes. Uh, so season one, uh, we really, Mike and I were really finding the show together. Norman was very generous with us from the beginning and saying, take the original series as a launching point. Take it as an inspiration. So we did things like the set is almost identical to the original set, the breakdown of the set. It's a complete homage. The apartment number on the door is the exact same apartment number of Anne Romano's apartment in the original series. We wanted to keep the Schneider character. We wanted to make him very different. But as a wink to the original series, we did like uh, consider what is the modern version of this Schneider character. Um, and so those were sort of the jumping off points. And then just a single mom, a single mom raising her kids. We, in the original series, it was two daughters. Mike and I both have a daughter and a son, and I am 
uh, my, I have a brother. So we just felt we had a lot to mine with the older sister, younger brother dynamic, uh, which is why we wanted to do that. And because we were also adding the Rita character, which is loosely based on my mom and my abuelita, um, sort of a melding of those two incredible ladies, we knew we had another woman and we thought it would be interesting to, to also show the Latino, the young Latino man growing up in, in this, you know, with these strong, with these three strong women. So that is sort of how we started to develop it. Um, as we were talking and, and talking about our own issues, Norman brought up that he thought it would be cool if the ex-husband was military. Norman is former military. He flew 52 combat missions in World War II and is a big fighter for veterans' issues in this country and the treatment of veterans and what they're going through. And we thought that was really cool. So we said, yeah, that'd be, yes, you should be a veteran. That's amazing. And then we, the more we had veterans come in, the more we realized that since the service has really opened up to women, veterans often have spouses that are also in the military. And we thought, well, wait a minute, maybe we make Penelope a veteran too. How cool is that? You know, we can really talk about this post 9-11 world where a lot of people, especially Latinos in this country, you know, it's a great option for schooling. If you become, if you join the army or join the military uh, and do your service, you are able to go to school. So it provides an opportunity for a lot of people. And also dealing with issues of war and and this post-9-11 world. So that's where that came into being. Um, so all of that, we kind of melded all of our ideas. And then Mike's daughter simultaneously was coming out. And uh, Mike wanted to put in, you know, as a tribute to her, you know, we were using a lot of my family. It was sort of a tribute to his own family and his family trying to uh, supportively and lovingly accept their daughter. So we kind of infused all of our, all of these things we felt very passionate about into this family, into this Alvarez family. So as we were finding it and writing to them, uh, season one was really going to be about that quintus, which is the story I told to Norman when we first met. I did not have a quintus. Uh, I, I had just read about it and I thought it was anti-feminist and I wanted a car instead. And I convinced my parents of that. Um, so Norman loved that. He just thought that was such a fresh and interesting idea and that that should be the pilot. And so we thought, well, what if there's a journey that she comes to terms with her coming out and who she is, and we wrap it up in an actual quintess, which is where we led to. And then of course, uh, her father not accepting her and all of that. And that became our season one arc. And then for season two, it was really what, now we've gotten to know these people. Who are they now? aftermath of this, um, of Elena coming out of Victor, not accepting of Penelope, uh, figuring out who she is now that she's a divorced woman and, and wanting to better herself with further education, Alex coming into his own as a teenager dealing with the post Trump America, because, you know, in season one, we had already shot everything, uh, when the presidential election happened. So while we don't mention, uh, 45 at all in, the show, we do talk about what uh, what the vibe is for Latinos in this country and immigrants in this country. We were able to touch on that uh, as it was relating to families that, that we personally knew. So the second season was just, uh, um, we just got to get in there a little bit more with, with who these people were and who they were trying to grow to become. Elena dating, Penelope dating, uh, Lydia's health issues, Penelope's mental health. Uh, and and the the sort of new racism that that immigrants are dealing with in this 
sort of new emboldened, um, you know, racism coming out of the, the framework again and something that, that this family certainly would have to deal with. Ay, that scene made me cry when uh, Justina Machado comes out and she dances with her daughter. She's like, I got this. That was so touching. It's beautiful, beautiful writing. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So you, Gloria, you, you're working with some icons on this show. Norman Lear, Rita Moreno. Um, the 85 and older demographic is killing it on your on your show. Yeah, uh, it's true. But it's as true. as a veteran of of of, of TV, uh, where did you learn anything new from from these? You know, from from Norman and Rita. You know, just because they've been in it so long, and were, were there things that they taught you that uh, you know that you kind of never that really were helpful to you? that you never knew or kind of a new way of looking at things? I mean, every day, every day. <laughs> I think, I think what's figure. so inspiring and so amazing about Norman and Rita is they live life with purpose. They are their age and as youthful and vibrant as they are because they live with purpose. They know they are here to accomplish something, and by God, they're not done accomplishing everything they want to accomplish. And that's really inspiring. It really makes me realize that a lot of times I think our retirees, you know, I, I have issues with how um, a lot of Americans deal with their elderly because I'm a Latina. Like, my parents will live with me. You know what I mean? Like, my parents are at my house every day and will live with me. That is just, I just don't know any other way. My mother wanted me to leave her um, and, house, and, so <laughs> it was kind of like the, the opposite. opposite. I get a you job. Know, that's what, <laughs> yeah, that's just what happens. So... I just grew up with such a reverence for older people because of their wisdom. And these two people are, have seen it all and done it all and are so happy to be there and so joyful in their work. And I think it reminds all of us to keep our head down and do the work and to be grateful and gracious uh, when something wonderful comes along because, you know, we're all going to have ups and downs. I mean, Rita, you know, Rita and Norman both have books that I must plug because they're both extraordinary. You can, I, I, the books are amazing, but I'll tell you the book on tapes for both of them, because they read them themselves Ooh. is even more extraordinary. I actually encourage people to do both read the book and then listen to the book on tape of them, uh, of Rita's and Norman's book, but they've been through it and they are hustlers. These are people that have worked their buns off and are able to enjoy a fulfilling, fulfilling life as a result. And so may we all grow to be Norman and Rita's. Amen to that. Um, Gloria, we're going to wrap up this interview, but I, I have a very selfish question that I'm going to ask that I think pertains to a lot of our listeners. Um, <laughs> our audience is heavily comprised of aspiring comedians, writers, directors, etc., those wanting to break into the show, you know, the realm of show business. And as a Latinx comedy writer myself, I'd like to know what are those very specific tactics that we can do to better prepare ourselves for the Hollywood writers' rooms? Yes, there's so much you can do. I really feel like, you know, Malcolm Gladwell said that, that you know, you have to kind of put in your 10,000 hours. And it's, I think that's imperative. I think that, you know, as I read, so I break down my day and I read writers. Like I've already, basically, if my, if my show, my, I have a CBS series that I'm doing called History of Them right now. Ooh. And I've already, done, I've already done my reading for that show. And when I did my reading, I reached out to agents and I said, I want women, I want minorities. Um, and sometimes they would send me a writer and I would read them and go, ah, there's something here, but it's not, 
what's your, can I, can you send me another sample? Oh no, that's their only sample. Mm. Well, I gotta, I gotta move on then. Right. Mm. I gotta move on. So I think people, writers do themselves a disservice by feeling like I'm just going to write one thing. No, it can't be one thing. Okay. If I hire you on my staff, I, next week you might get assigned a script and you have five days to write it. Wow. And I expect it to be amazing. Mm. So how can we, how can you shine? How can these people shine in a writer's room when they haven't put themselves through the, through that process? So I believe that if you are a writer and you are a comedian, then there is something every day you should be doing. And listen, I've been there, y'all. I've been there. I have worked full-time at Houston Century City when Houston was there. I would be on my walking, 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 doing my 14-hour shift, and then I would come home, and I would go to the Paley Center, and I would watch stuff at the Paley Center, and I'd do my little notes, and then I'd go home, and I'd write, and I'd read scripts. Every day, you've got to commit to doing something because as part of your process, it is only going to help you. So by the time you get in the room, you're like, oh, you need that scene? I'll write it. I'll write it. Give me an hour. And you can bust that out. No problem. Very inspiring. So that is the, I feel like the lack of, I think people like to say I'm a writer and they've written one thing. And if you're a writer, listen, the amount of stuff on my computer that no one will ever see is enormous. <laughs> some, you just got to write. You got to write and write and write and write. And some of it's going to be garbage and some of it's going to be wonderful. But you're not going to find the wonderful unless you get through some of the garbage. And you've got to constantly be putting yourself to the paces. I think Twitter is amazing for comedians. If you're a comedian and you're not tweeting a joke a day, what are we doing? Mm. Challenge yourself as a comedian to write a joke every day and then you can look back and go, oh, that one got a lot of retweets or that one got a lot of likes. I should look at that. If you are a writer and you don't have a group of other writers that you can go to and say, hey, can you read my stuff? Because I can't get executives to read it because it's hard. You don't want the executive to be the first person that reads your script. Yes. You want it to be your friend. And then you got your friends. You got like, listen, Tupac Chuck and some tortilla chips and some salsa cost you eight bucks and you invite your friends over and you're like, we're going to do a reading tonight at my house and you're going to be this part. And you're going to be this part. And you're going to be this part. We're going to hear it out loud. Oh man, that didn't sound good. I'm going to rewrite that. That's $8. You know, that's something you should be doing every week. Once a month, get your people together and write and write and write and write and do righteous, 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 because that's the only way on show night. When a joke's not working, I need to be able to look at you and say, can you give me three alts for that joke? Yeah. Wow. And I expect somebody to be able to give me that. So this is the only way you can learn to do that is to practice. It's the only way. And then you're going to get amazing at it. When I first started, I couldn't think of three alts right away. No way. It took time to get there. So the more you can prepare yourself before you get in these rooms, then you get in the room and you're undeniable. And then they're like, where did you come from? I never want you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Your, Gloria, your story, your advice really resonates with me, and I'm sure it's going to resonate with a lot of our listeners, if not everyone. We thank you so much for your words of wisdom and your time and everything you're doing to move our community forward through your writing and show producing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys for doing what you're doing. It's so important. It's so important to get the word out to, and to laugh and to come together and say, we can do this. We need more Latino stories. We need more. So if you're out there, write it, act it, put it out, shoot it on your iPhone, put it on YouTube. We need it. It is it is a beautiful time for us to show people who we really are. 
And the best way to do that is if we are the ones telling those stories. Hell Absolutely. yeah. Gloria, so we usually do the Que Lo Que segment. Where can people find you on social media and some of the projects that you're working on? Oh, I'm on, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. So I do Instagram stories. So if you're into that, uh, what's your name what's your name on instagram if you want to see me through my day talking about crazy (laughs) stuff then you can follow me on instagram uh twitter and instagram i'm everything gloria everything gloria and so people can send their scripts through your instagram stories they can reply with script. no 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 No, she's busy (laughs) send me their scripts what are you doing did you not hear me That was fake news, everybody. Listen, a big round of applause to Gloria. Thank you for everything. Gloria. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So lovely speaking to you. Thank you so much. Alright, so now it is time for the last segment of the show. None other than... So mine is like, you know, like, hello, kids, and then like a question for the male members. And then, Rachel, if you can jump in if you want to. But How the first, sexist of you. Of course. So the first one is go to CorrienteLatina.com for Corriente Latina. They're giving away some 50 Shades screening giveaways. Oh, yeah. Jamie, I know you watched the first two, so you're going to be interested in the I third gotta one. I got to complete the trilogy, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the contest <laughs> ends on Sunday. So make sure you enter so you can win some tickets. All right. Let me call my ex. She'll yeah. Of course. And then uh, I have a uh, personal shout-out to uh, Kaylee. She listens to our podcast, so I just want to give a shout-out to Kaylee. Second thing for me is, guys, who do you have for the Super Bowl? Frank, go ahead. I don't bet against Brady ever. Okay. Bad move. Okay. As a Giants fan, I think I hate I hate the Eagles more, so I'm, I'm for the first time in my life, I'm going for the Patriots. Wow. Uh, I agree. I'm going for the Patriots. Uh, Rachel? I'm going for Justin Timberlake all the way, baby. Okay. All righty then. And uh, you guys can follow me at Juan Bago on all the platforms, including mihente.com. Uh, okay, Rachel, you go next. Okay. Uh, just cue a, a, a few quick shout outs if I can get the English words out. Um, so this weekend, I'm shooting a film with D Nasty and Jose from AJTV. Wow. So I'm excited. Wow. Forward to that early Sunday morning. Um, also, this show, you guys, I invite everybody, even though it's all female, like it's obviously for all sexes. Everyone is welcome. February 10th at the pit. Big shout out to Sam Sophie, Zahira Ariana, Yesenia Suni. And we're going to have so much fun. There's everything in this show. It's truly a variety show. There's music, there's rapping, there's monologues, there's sketches, there's stand up, there's everything. So come out, get your take. Oh, yeah. Who's rapping? Who you think, son? Uh-huh. Brooklyn there, all day, is son. Is there free coquito, though? Um, I don't know, but maybe some free cupcakes. Oh. I'm, there, I'm there. I'm there. Okay, okay, cool. So that's February 10th. So go to the Pit People's Improv Theater website or go to the link in my bio at Rachel La Loca on Instagram. And finally, Room 28 is performing on February 22nd at City Tech. It's a private show, but I got to shout out Room 28 real quick because we are still working and doing our thing. And again, follow me at Rachel La Loca. Next. Um, yeah, my, my shout out, just gonna re, uh, <laughs> re-shout out. 
<laughs> I wasn't ready for the for the. Yo, do fake, yo, just shout out fake shout out. Fake shout out. Yo, I'm performing yo, so a bridge ball. Shout out to Kimberly <laughs> from uh, New Mexico. She's a big fan of the show. Um, she's only eight years old, but she's Aww. she's uh, she's inspired to become a podcaster when she gets older because of <laughs> our show and specifically me. Wow. So thank you, Kimberly. Nice. Um, and tell your mom. What's up, to? Uh... Yo, but you're not too, like, far out there because a-, a lot of our, like, you know, friends and people in our networks are starting podcasts. Oh, yeah. And they've told us that we have inspired them. Mm-hmm. So shout out to everybody who just wants to be on the mic and get their voice out. Yeah, everybody very, can do it. People just, uh, uh, not to interrupt, but we do have to give a big, 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 big shout out to our intern, uh, Desiree! Yes. Desiree! Holding it down! Yeah, Brooklyn College, baby! <laughs> Holding it down, right. telling us when to uh, uh, cut it off. Word, and we miss you, Rosie. Come back. Oh, please. But Desiree has been doing a fantastic job. And, you know, if you guys are interested in being an intern for us, just email us. Just call the number you see below. <laughs> it's a podcast, Jamie. Oh, all right. Uh, okay, so we'll, we'll email it or something. We are latinosoutloud at gmail.com. Email us. Talk well, everyone us. knows Frank's emails. <laughs> just email Frank directly. True. True. Uh, Frank? Uh... Michael, okay, is, uh, I have a podcast right now. I was on a podcast uh, with my boy, uh, Carlos Lampy. Yeah, Frank, called... wait a minute. You didn't clear with us before you became a I'm guest. Sorry, guys. Traitor. Podcast. I'm sorry, guys. What's going on, bro? Did you do fake news for Carlos? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's called talking. It's called talking shit, and uh, you can go on uh, Nibs0125 on my uh, on my Instagram, and you'll find it from there on my bio. I listened to it. It was pretty good. Thank yeah, you. You made us proud. Thank you. Yes. Good shit. Well, that's a wrap for episode five. Thank you to everybody out there. Look, we need some reviews. We need some comments. This is a new RSS feed on iTunes. So we need you guys to support us by like leaving reviews, giving us some five star ratings. Oh, and shout out to the person who left us a two star rating. Oh, you know what yeah. I'm Don't saying? Don't worry about it. I got, that, some, I got some researchers. We're going to look into it's that. It's all good. It's all good. Just let us know what you think of the show, whether it's a two star or five star. We'll take it. Hater. <laughs> Until next week. Hasta la próxima. Peace. Oye, mijo, ¿qué show es ese que están escuchando? ¡Tremenda Vaina! Hola, amigos, y bienvenidos a Tremenda Vaina, el show donde escuchas cuatro historias que desafían la realidad. De las cuatro, solamente una es mentira. ¿Cuál será? Nos puedes encontrar en tu plataforma favorita. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Suscríbete hoy. Y esto es Tremenda Vaina. ¡Tremenda Vaina! There have never been more options for your next vehicle, but the right choice has never been clearer. That's because Toyota has a high-performing hybrid built for your exact needs, like the stylish all-new Camry XSE Hybrid and Venza, the spacious Highlander and all-new Sienna with more cargo space, and the fuel-efficient and high-performing RAV4 Hybrid. Toyota hybrids save you time and money, filling up less often at the gas station. And of course, all with 10-year, 150,000-mile warranty on new models. Take the next step. Visit Toyota. Toyota.com slash hybrid or your local Toyota dealership to learn more.